Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. What you think about Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I am thrilled that you can join us today. If you liked our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by a local band here in Minnesota, uh, the Mark Arneson Band, and you can download that on any of your favorite uh, music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations and talk with people for about an hour all around the world at all ages and stages of life. So we interview people with uh, dementia, family and professional care partners, um, advocates, a a variety of businesses, um, artists, et cetera. And, uh, and of course, research. We, we just don't feel like we can make sustainable change unless we are inclusive of all. Now, today's show is a live show. And so you can call in if you'd like. I know a lot of you listen afterwards. But, um, you know, if you feel like it, uh, call in if you want to talk on our topic of, of brain health today. That number is 323-870-4602. That is 323-870-4602. And please go to alzheimerspeaks.com. That's our main website. There you can go to our free educational resources where you'll see a variety of different things that you can participate in or that you can just use as education for yourself or your staff, as well as if you're looking for speakers for um, an event. We do all kinds of different programs um, and then also can help you with your marketing. And we, uh, I should say we, uh, myself and Scott, um, Scott Carlson are launching a book called Betty the Bald Chicken. Now, Betty the Bald Chicken is a children's book. Uh, It's been one of my keynotes for years and people have just begged me to put this into book form. Only took me about 10 years to do that, but it's there. You can go to the book tab to learn more about that. It's a story that will teach both children and adults how we can care better for one another. And then also, if you go to that free educational resources, there is a tab for public events. And I do have one coming up here in Minnesota, in Woodbury, Minnesota, um, December 8th sponsored by Artist Senior Living, and that is about family gatherings, events, and travel. How do you how do you replace those tough times, those frustrating times, with joy and calmness? Uh, we would love to have you um, uh, participate in that as well. We are going to hear from the Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner, and we will be right back. I love the foot bar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest, there are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the footbar walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. 
That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Okay, we are back, and I'm so excited to have our guest with us today. We are going to be learning about a free brain health program called Stronger Memory. And my guest is Rob Liebrick, and he is the president and CEO of Goodwin Living. And what I, I love about Goodwin Living is their mission is to support, honor, and uplift, which applies equally to those they serve as well as those per- providing services. It really is a, a team a team uh, structure there. Um, and, and I think that that mission, you know, really drives uh, their company to be both intentional as the best senior living and healthcare provider, um, as well as the best place to work. And that is such a need nowadays to draw people in to feel like they belong and uh, that they're important. Now, our primary focus we're going to be talking about is this brain health program called Strong Memory. And again, it's free. I know so many of the others you have to pay for. So welcome, Rob. I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation. Lori, really excited to be with you. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy day. You know, I always start out the program asking every guest if they've been personally touched by dementia in their own family and circle of friends, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our audience and myself. Sure, and I probably would have been a beneficiary of Betty the Bald Eagle book uh, early on uh, as a kid. Uh, because I think I was seeing things that I didn't understand. I certainly was seeing things I didn't understand growing up. I grew up in Oregon, and we would go visit uh, a beloved relative, my Aunt Lil, in California. And she was just a lovely person, really bright, very smart, had a lot of insights about how to live a long, healthy life. She uh, passed away at 95. But I remember a number of times we'd go uh, to visit with her, and we'd go out to, to dinner, uh, or to lunch, and uh, she would she would eat a lot. She would just keep on eating and eating and eating. And we thought, wow, she must really love the food that we have uh, presented to her, uh, only to find out later that she just wasn't remembering that she had taken her previous bite. Uh, and so uh, at an early age, I was introduced to people who had cognitive brain challenges, uh, but I didn't even understand it. I certainly did not know it. Well, and, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, and then just, you know, I think uh, fast forward uh, back in 2011, having uh, my own personal experience with my mom uh, and her uh, starting to have her her challenges of forgetting things, uh, repeating yourself, and getting lost in familiar places, which I'm sure a number of your listeners, uh, those those are all scary conditions. Uh, So having to contend with that and figure out how to come around that. Exactly. When you talk about eating, oh, you know, one of one of my great memories of my mom who lived with dementia for 30 years was how we had to adjust for that. Um, for example, we would go out to a restaurant and she used to be able to order off the menu. Then we got to the point where she would forget what she would order and then she was mad when it came. And so then I would, I, I learned to um, share and say, Mom, you know, I can't decide. How about if we get two things and just split what's here? And that kind of got us through that. And then um, if we would go to a buffet line, after a while we had to stop because she would pick up a plate and start putting stuff on, on her plate. And then she'd see something else and she'd be drawn to that, put that plate down, pick up another one. And pretty soon there were five plates, you know, right. out there. And at picnics, she would eat. And we would always have these big gatherings of, you know, usually 50 to 100 people in our backyard. And and so it was like an all-day open house. And so she would eat, and then she'd be done. So we'd take away her plate, thinking that's a good thing to do, instead of using that as a marker for her that she already ate. And then someone else would come down and sit with a plate. And then she's like, well, why can't I have a hamburger? <laughs> you know? And we'd, we'd go through <laughs> all over again. But those are really, really you know, common scenarios and signs and signals, and it's so hard to know how to deal with all of, with all of them. Um, I'm really excited to have you on. You know, you've been in the industry for like 20 years, and you are now the CEO of an organization that serves 2,500 older adults directly and thousands nationally. 
And I'm wondering what you're seeing as trends in the field. Yeah, thanks. I, I feel really fortunate uh, to be uh, where I'm at in terms of the position and just the journey I've been on uh, for the last 20 years. Uh, and I would say, Lori, it actually started with my grandmother, my dad's mom, uh, who was supposed to move into a senior living community. And uh, the day before that move took place, she ended up passing away. And I was with her bedside, and that really propelled me into this field uh, with the idea that there was a lot, there is still a lot of anxiety and fear around this idea of, of getting older and what do you do and where do you live and what, what kind of services are you uh, are available to you. And so that was, that was 20 years ago, which propelled me into uh, getting education and, and working in this field. And I would say the trends that I'm seeing uh, really have been building up over those years. I remember my, my first classes uh, when I went to Johns Hopkins University and was getting an MBA with a focus on senior care and housing. Uh, the professor said, you know, this was in 2002, the professor said, if you're here because you think there's lots of older adults to serve, you're about 15 years early. Uh, and so uh, now that is no longer the case. Now we're in this moment where we're going from 20 million 75-plus-year-old individuals in our country to 40 million, uh, over 40 million 75-plus-year-olds uh, in our country over the next, well, it started in 2020 uh, and will you know, sort of peter out in 2040. So that trend is alive and happening right now. Uh, and so we're getting more older adults, which is great. I think it's a great sign of people living longer, healthier lives, making life choices that allow them to be uh, present longer and, and have an impact on, on the world longer. Uh, so that's one key trend. And I'd say that marries up against another trend, which started in 2007, which we're certainly tracking, uh, which is the uh, slowdown of birth rates in our country. So at the same time, we're having more older adults uh, come around and age appropriately. Uh, now we're not seeing very many people who are being born in the country. And uh, when we couple that with uh, immigration policy sometimes that is not as friendly uh, to welcome people into our country, what ends up happening is we run into real deficits of having people who are able to uh, be in the workforce uh, and subsequently people who are uh, wanting to serve older adults, uh, which is what we're going to need more and more of uh, over the next 20 years. So those are two key trends uh, that we certainly are tracking and uh, really drives a lot of the work we're doing uh, to be an, an intentional employer of choice, but also thinking about how to serve people and help people prevent the need for care longer uh, by people taking their own actions, their own preventional, uh, preventative steps. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the prevention um, as well, because I think that's a, a big change that we're seeing. Uh, you know, when my mom got diagnosed almost 40 years ago, I mean, no one really talked about anything, you know, let alone prevention. And everyone was kind of, you know, started to grow more leaning on a cure. And now we're seeing, I think, more social supports than what we ever have. And and we're seeing a lot more happening with, you know, we've got a lot more control over this than what we thought in terms of our lifestyle choices and things. And so, um, I, you know, I think that that's a, a nice trend change uh, that is happening out there. And when you were explaining about the birth rates and the number, you know, of older adults, you know, everyone's always saying, well, you know, where's all the help? Why is everyone struggling with staff? Well, that's part of the equation that's in there, um, I believe. And it's it's probably not going to improve in the next few years. So I think it's really important to empower families um, even more so than it was in the past on that. Any any comments on what I just said at all or yeah, no, I mean, exactly. I have a dear friend uh, whose uh, family lives in Minnesota, actually, and uh, they were looking for uh, support care for the mom, and there just was no one around. They're in a rural part of the state, and there just was nobody available. And this is someone, uh, my friend, who's been in the field for a really long time. They're willing to pay, uh, and they just didn't have anyone. It wasn't a matter of you know someone not wanting the, the certain paycheck. It was that there was no one to be paid. And so they, they ended up, as you might expect uh, from the kindness of folks in Minnesota, uh, being able to find a neighbor who stepped up and stepped forward 
and so when you talk about that trend of needing to lean on uh, family and then neighbors and friends, that certainly is going to be a path. Uh, there was a, an article uh, before the pandemic that was in the Washington Post about the state of Maine and the state of Maine being one of the oldest uh, you know, com uh, communities in our country uh, just by age demographic. And so they're a bellwether. They sort of tell you how things are going to go. And the article was talking about that people were willing to pay $50 an hour for a certified nursing assistant. So it's a, 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 you know, someone who's gone through maybe a week's worth of training uh, and has dedicated themselves to providing some care, uh, hands-on care for, for um, you know, individuals, but they could not find anyone who would take $50 an hour. And so, uh, you know, I read that article and then I came to one of my colleagues and I said, you know, has anyone heard about this, what's going on in Maine? And she said, oh, absolutely. My parents live in Maine, and they actually are just moving from Maine because they don't feel comfortable that when they need care, they'll be able to find it. So they chose to move out of the state. And I think that that is something we're going to see more and more of is people choosing to be in a place or affiliated with an organization that can really help provide them the care and support that they'll need at the time uh, when they need it. And that trend is, is already happening. And over the next 20 years, is only going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of spooky, you know, especially when you're in the field and you're seeing some of these things and, you know, even hearing about closures, which means we're going to have even more limited choice in things. Um, but let's let's move on because I really want to I really want to get into um, stronger memory, and I'd like to start um, because my guess is that you probably have a story about your mom's journey and brain health in and of itself in terms of um, in terms of what you're offering now. Uh, I always find that there's usually with something when we start something new you know there's an impetus to it and a lot of times it's close to home was that the case for you uh, absolutely Lori. As, as i referenced earlier the reason i came into the field of uh, older adults and serving in this in this space is because of my grandmother uh, and so uh, that was the initial uh, entree in and that was in in 2001 and uh, 2002 time frame and so uh, then, uh, having been in the field uh, now is nine years, and my mom starting to have memory challenges in her late 60s, which is not, you know, not atypical, but I thought a little bit early, uh, and her getting really scared, I mean, really fearful that this would progress, and having uh, some tests and finding out that, okay, well, yes, you do have, you know, mild cognitive impairment, uh, which is often a precursor uh, to full-on dementia. Uh, over a course of five years, and there's no cure for dementia at this time. We're, we're getting closer to some, some tools maybe to come around things, but really uh, at that time, uh, nine years ago, uh, or nine years into serving older adults, I should say, I had no, no answers. And so that was the personal reason. And my dad, uh, who, you know, my mom and dad are, are still together, living in Oregon, uh, married, we just celebrated their 55th anniversary, wedding anniversary. And so uh, he was getting scared and really fearful about how things were going for his wife. And again, there was no solution. Uh, we're, we're so solution-oriented in our society, which makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. But in this case, when you don't have a solution, all you, all you have is anxiety and fear. And I was fortunate uh, a few months after those discussions with my parents and really understanding, like I'm talking to my mom on the phone and she's... She's repeating herself a lot and forgetting things a lot and hearing the stories of her driving in a neighborhood where she was very comfortable, uh, but all of a sudden getting you know, lost and trying to figure out, like I went through, I went through a lot of things, Laurie, with her to think through like, okay, well, is this, is this stress related? Is this sleep deprivation related? You know, is dad snoring too much, keeping you up? And is that causing these things? Um, but none of that was the reality. It was, it was truly her brain functions were, were shifting uh, with most likely a disease progression. And so that, um, without an answer, uh, leaves you hopeless uh, until I ended up going to a conference in uh, Denver, Colorado. And at the conference, uh, there was a report out about uh, people who were in nursing homes that if they, they were introduced to uh, three simple things, 
And by being introduced to these things and really focusing on them and at least five times a week, uh, that they were starting to see people that uh, if their chart was showing a decline in their brain health, uh, would actually start to plateau or even improve. And those three things were around engagement of the part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, uh, one of the last places to mature in, in one's brain. Uh, but it really is amazing that by reading out loud, uh, by doing handwriting and numeracy, or in the case, in our case, doing simple math, you can really uh, Im impact uh, the prefrontal cortex. And, and that's what residents were doing in nursing homes, and they were having good success. So I said to myself, gosh, I wonder if I could introduce this to my mom. She's not in a nursing home, but what if we brought uh, a level of these tools to her, and I wonder if it would work. And so I, I approached her and said, Mom, how would you like to start working on really simple things that you probably learned in first and second grade and uh, see if they might have an impact on your brain health? And within a month, Lori, of her starting to do those type of exercises, 20, 30 minutes a day, she, her forgetfulness uh, seemed to go away, her repetition uh, seemed to go away, and she wasn't getting lost in familiar places anymore. And so we said, okay, this is, this is an impact and this is a win uh, just by uh, providing these interventions. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, and to be able to see that up close and, and personal like that is, is really neat. Why don't you tell us um, a little bit about the early creation of building this, this plan to share what you learned with others? you know, that you developed for your mom and, and what happened in Seattle? Yeah, certainly. So uh, at the time uh, that I had gone to this conference and learned about this work, uh, I was in Seattle. I was serving uh, in an organization, a very uh, wonderful organization, organization called Transforming Age. Uh, I just was moving on from that group to a, an organization called Ages Living, which is based in Seattle and has operations in California. And Dwayne Clark is its founder, a really thoughtful guy who had also been impacted by dementia through through experiences with his mom. And so, uh, I while I was at Aegis on Madison, uh, which is a, uh, one of uh, my favorite communities in the country in terms of its programming and approach to really high engagement along with high care for individuals. I asked Dwayne if we could create a program uh, that was based on uh, these these experiences that my mom had been having. Um, you know, my mom was having success and not, not seemingly having the issues anymore. And I was talking to a colleague there, a dear friend, uh, Judy Wadsworth, and she said, you know, your mom's fabulous and fantastic and she's doing really well, but what are you gonna do for our residents and what are you gonna do for others? And so she really propelled that question I put it out there and said, you're right, we need to do something. So uh, I teamed up with a lady by the name of Helen Halpern. And she was just about to get her, her doctorate in occupational therapy. She had a background in, in teaching. And so I said, oh, you're perfect. Let's work on this together. We spent a year uh, figuring out a lot of details around uh, font sizes and material that we should present forward to folks. Uh, and so we created a curriculum. Uh, and we called it the Aegis Brain Level Engagement uh, Curriculum, ABLE uh, Curriculum. And we introduced it to a group of assisted living and memory care residents. At the time, we charged them uh, to have sort of a one-on-one -on -one session uh, with our team and to go over the material on a frequent basis. And the folks that chose to do that, uh, once again, within two weeks, within a month, we started to see amazing results. A uh, resident who had forgotten his primary care uh, person's name, who happened to be his sister, all of a sudden remembered her name and started to have interactions with her. We had done no other interactions or interventions other than uh, this new program. Uh, people started to sleep better, eat better, and just overall had better behavioral uh, outcomes. And so uh, it was completely related to the introduction of uh, this approach. And so that was the early stage. I was really spending a lot of time figuring it out. Uh, trying to create a pathway for folks. And then fast forward uh, a few years later, I moved back to Maryland for purposes of being close to family, and to, to, my, uh, to my wife's uh, family. And so I had uh, residents uh, at a community I served at saying, hey, this is great, but you know, can we create, create the curriculum again uh, for, for others to use? Uh, you know, that was over at Aegis. What about here on the East Coast? 
And when I arrived uh, with the opportunity to serve as president and CEO here at Goodwin Living, uh, Goodwin Living is a faith-based not-for-profit, and uh, you already referenced the mission. Our mission is not dedicated just to serving those who are part of Goodwin Living. It's to support, honor, and uplift all older adults and the people who care for them. So it's comprehensive. And the organization really uh, took hold of the idea of creating a curriculum that anyone could download, anyone could use. Uh, and so that's what we created. We created Stronger Memory, uh, and people can find that at strongermemory.org uh, or .com, either way. And you can download a, a full curriculum and have that today uh, to help uh, you out with your brain health or help out a loved one. And we started to do uh, pilot programs uh, related to that and uh, started to do research, and that's what we started to do here at Goodwin Living. So that's, that's where things have progressed, uh, and we've, we've been doing that now for the last three years. Wow. What kind of response are you getting from people? Well, it's been, it's been really uh, humbling. Uh, you know, early on we had a, a cohort, Lori, of about 25 residents uh, between Goodwin, uh, Goodwin House Alexandria, which is our first community uh, here in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, just celebrated 55 years. And then uh, our second community, Goodwin House Bailey's Crossroads, just celebrated 35 years. Uh, we had about 25 residents from those two groups that started a pilot program in January of 2020. And uh, that initial group uh, ran through April, and we did uh, pre-testing and post-testing for cognitive ability. And we, uh, we met every week uh, with that group of folks, and we walked through the curriculum with them. And the feedback then was really uh, important. It showed us that people liked the, the curriculum, that they wanted to do it, especially if they had a, a partner uh, to work with, you know, a spouse or a friend, that they could get really engaged. Uh, we have a whole section of writing prompts that are almost biographical, if you will, or autobiographical in terms of supporting someone thinking about, you know, their first kiss or their first job or, you know, those type of things. And so it really created a much stronger connectivity uh, between people as they did the program. And uh, we started to see very quickly people indicating improvement in their focus and their abilities uh, around their brain health. Uh, people who had been sequestered before now feeling confident to get out and about in the community. So that, that was just within a, a period from January to April uh, of 2020. Now, we know that pandemic hit us all in March of 2020, and so things changed quite a bit. Uh, we started to offer the program up virtually. Uh, we have a great group of, of folks who have chosen to use a program we call Goodwin Living at Home, that so people don't have to move to a community, but they can gain the value of having a good one living behind them and support them should they need support or care. Uh, we talked about that earlier, and that's that's why that demographic shift is so important. Uh, so we, we took about a 60, 60 folks uh, into that trial and uh, found the same things, that people really appreciated, even in the virtual world, coming together, uh, really working through the program. That allowed us to uh, start talking with other organizations outside of our uh, outside of Goodwin Living, and so uh, we started to work with a group called the Village to Village Network. Uh, and is that a familiar group to you, Lori? Uh, no, no. Why don't you uh, tell us about that? Yeah, so the Village to Village Network is a fabulous group. Uh, they have about 350 member organizations. They represent about 50,000 older adults uh, in the United States. And uh, and so that group is, uh, I think it started in Beacon Hill, uh, Boston area. And it was an idea that instead of having to move to a place, why don't we create a neighborhood where people can age more gracefully uh, with the support of maybe a nurse or someone who could validate uh, vendors around you, and maybe we can come together and uh, have some social events and really have each other looking out for each other, uh, those kind of ideas around neighbor-neighbor support. And so it's become really popular, uh, and, and more and more village groups are, are really uh, popping up all throughout the country. Uh, but there's about 350 of them today, and we have uh, about over 60 of them that are, that are already participating in the uh, Stronger Memory Program. So that's where we first started that relationship uh, to launch it nationally and just saw a really good response uh, from individuals who were saying, okay, we, we, don't, we don't have hope today, we don't have a cure today, which we don't, 
but we we do have some some tools we can actually start to create hope uh, that we can take control over our our own brain health. Uh, and so people were really uh, telling us wonderful stories about uh, how they started and how how things improved for them uh, or for their loved ones. Uh, so that's been a, a real joy to hear those stories. We had one gentleman, they haven't all been uh, Alzheimer's related or dementia related either, Lori. We had someone who had traumatic brain injury and was really limited in their capacity to write. Uh, but by using the program and really staying consistent with it, is now writing pages and pages. And uh, this individual used to love to cook. But as you, as you know, cooking takes a lot of uh, function. Uh, to go through the exercise of finding the ingredients and, and you know, step-by-step, step, all those parts. And it, it can be very challenging for someone with cognitive challenges, brain health challenges. And through going through the program, uh, they're starting to do simple uh, cooking again and, uh, and putting together recipes. And so when you start to hear those stories, it just uh, it makes you take a step back in appreciation for how powerful the brain is and how much we're still learning about uh, how these simple interventions can really pull a lot of good things forward. Oh, exactly. And you mentioned, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be strictly dementia. I would imagine there's some care partners out there that are, you know, a lot of people are worried that they could get dementia. So do you have people that haven't been diagnosed yet that are are, um, doing the program as well, or do you not have a way to track that? Yeah, so it's been interesting. We we've uh, provided the the whole curriculum uh, complimentary uh, through donations to our foundation. I, I should certainly mention that. So it's it's been costing us. I think our budget's about three hundred thousand dollars a year uh, now to to provide this pr- uh, program nationally. And so uh, generous donors have provided uh, resources to our Goodwin Living Foundation to allow that to be the case. Uh, to, to support this effort. And so we do have a number of folks who are, have started to use it um, you know, all throughout. And we hear stories all the time. Uh, right before this, I had a, I had a lady tell me that uh, over the weekend, she, she walked into a community, a assisted living community, and she said, oh, you're, and your program was there. Um, so that was, that was unique and different. Uh, but we have people who don't have cognitive challenges using it because of just what you said. They want to prevent uh, they want to make sure that your brain health is strong. And so this is one of those approaches that if you do it for 20 minutes a day, uh, you're going to get, you know, most likely you're going to get benefits from it, uh, whether you are cognitively impacted already or if you want to just keep your brain healthy. I remember a, a, a resident uh, at Goodwin, uh, Goodwin House, Baelish Crossroads, and she said, you know, Rob, your program is really great uh, for those who need it, and, and I don't need it. But, you know, what I have started doing, you know, I read the Bible every day, and what I've been doing is I've been reading it out loud. And I have to tell you that my focus is so much better. And so that's exactly, you know, that's the hope, Lori, is that people, whether you use the curriculum we provide or not, that the habit of either reading out loud or doing handwriting every day uh, or doing some of the simple math work, numeracy work, will stick with people. And if it does... Uh, we have great confidence that we can help a whole country and maybe a whole world push off the need for care by, uh, you know, in my mom's case, over 10 years now. Uh, so we're, we're seeing a real good mix of people utilizing the program. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I, you know, I think, I think life gets so busy and, and people don't stop to really think about that stuff and then they kind of kick themselves in the butt when something does happen. When they go, oh, you know, I did hear about that before, but I chose I chose not to do it for whatever reasons and stuff. And I think that that's a trend that we, you know, we really need to encourage for people. And I, I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody else out there, too, because there's, there's so many offerings out there now that the Internet has opened up. You know, you can kind of get overwhelmed at times. One of the things that I like with your program is, you know, being able to, to download and have the physical, you know, booklet if if that's how you like to, to work. And, um, you know, having that pen in hand if you're doing the math problems or, like you said, just reading out loud versus reading to yourself. There's so many different things that are happening in our brain that we don't really understand how it's working. Just kind of like with music, um, that's become pretty accepted now that, 
you know, if you engage in music, um, music wires your kind of rewires your brain, at least for a short period of time. And a lot of people see, you know, some significant um, changes, not long lasting, but they're there and they can make, you know, make life easier and more enjoyable for everyone. So I just I just find what you're doing really uh, absolutely fantastic. I, I do want to remind people that if you have a question or a comment, um, regarding stronger memory, you know, please feel free to to call in. That number is 323-870-4602, 323-870-4602. It, it's just so important to engage people. And, I again, I love that it's free. So many things, are, you know, cost so much, and, and people are juggling, especially now with inflation of, how are they going to put food on the table or, you know, buy their meds or what, whatever it might be. And they, they can't always afford to buy a lot of these things that are out there. Um, and you've made it just so accessible that that's just, I think, such a huge, huge factor. So um, I, I want to thank, you know, you and Goodwin and all your supporters for, for doing this. This is a huge um, shift in dynamic and I think comfort for people to be able to have that accessibility. So um, I hope all your donors know what a big difference they're making in in a lot of people's <laughs> lives there. Yeah, thank um, you, Laurie. Yeah. Um, I was I wanted to ask you know in terms of you know your goal for stronger memory um, in in the future, where do you see where do you see it go? Um, is is there an end to, you know, the applications and and uh, you know who can who can have access to this? Yeah, it's a great question, and you know one of the things that is different about the program that you reference is that there is a, a physical component to it. Uh, so much of the world today is app based, and mm-hmm. and there may be a, a future time where uh, an app element uh, comes along in support of stronger memory. Uh, to help people, you know, remind them to do stronger memory. You know, maybe it's just a reminder service, uh, but it's in the actual physical, you know, paper in your hand, writing, writing, or doing the math, or you know, reading something out loud. Um, that's where the, we see the magic occurring, and so it's different uh, from from a lot of options that are out there today. And then we we've added we blended that with uh, the social component of for those who choose to do it. Now we've seen people uh, benefit from the program without it, but uh, we think there's a really great benefit of of coming together and a social accountability. Uh, so we have uh, opportunities for people to participate in virtual groups or otherwise to come together at least once a week and talk about their experiences with the program. And so those two two parts, having it physically accessible and then having it available to, to come together with a group and hold hold one to uh, social accountability, we think is really important. And uh, and if people want to order a book, that you know they can. Uh, we, we have that at cost today. Uh, we, we don't try to you know make any funds. We just try to make it accessible, as you said. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a real real goal of the organization. So one of the goals for the future is to keep it that way. <laughs> uh, so that that's one one hope. Uh, is, is we want to keep it free and accessible to as many people as possible. The second thing is um, we're finding some really good success early uh, with a couple of states. And so I'm really grateful uh, to Secretary of Aging Rona uh, Kramer out of Maryland. Uh, She is one of the most progressive people in the aging discussion, I think. Uh, She, uh, years ago when I met her, she said, Rob, we have this reality where we have more older adults coming, but we don't have more dollars to serve them. We're going to have to find ways to come around more people in a preventative way. And so let's, let's figure that out. You know, you know, she's searching the world. And so she pulls a lot of ideas from other countries like Israel, et cetera. And she, uh, when she heard about Stronger Memory, she said, okay, so you're offering a curriculum for free. You'll train us uh, to be facilitators of the program. And you just want to help as many people as possible. We said, yep, that's the goal. That's the, that's the, that's the trick of it. And she said, perfect, we'll roll it out. And so she took the initiative to uh, open it up and offer it to the counties within Maryland. Uh, seven counties took, a, took up the offer initially. 
uh, and now nine counties have uh, rolled it out to their constituencies through their senior centers, which we think is a really great way for people to gain access to the program and have a consistent place to go back to for check-ins. And so uh, we just got done with a, a cohort, a group of several hundred folks going through the program, and the feedback was tremendous. Uh, they loved the socialization of the program. Uh, 64% of folks said that it had improved their brain function, uh, and of that cohort, 15% said it significantly improved their, their brain function. So really good feedback uh, early on from the now, uh, Secretary Kramer is uh, pushing us to get it rolled out to all 24 counties in Maryland uh, and also Baltimore City. And so we're excited for that work. Uh, we also have received uh, a grant through CMS uh, to provide uh, programming of stronger memory to over 100 skilled nursing locations within the state of Virginia. Uh, so we're excited for that work as well that's in front of us. And so I, I sense what will happen is uh, as we move along and are able to show the benefit uh, again and again and again to different uh, groups and government entities, I, I suspect, I'm hoping, we're hoping, that people will pick it up as just a part of their daily regimen and have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, uh, reading out loud and doing handwriting and, and finding ways to do simple math on a daily basis. And if we can do that as a country, uh, if we can do that just, if we can get one person to do that more from your show today, uh, we know that that person will likely be able to push the need for care off by a year, five years, 10 years. And when we don't have very many caregivers coming, but we have a lot more older adults, uh, then we're part of the solution uh, to making life better for, for millions uh, going forward. So that's the, the broad uh, overarching goal one of the things we've experienced, Lori, in, the, in this journey is that even though it's free, uh, even though uh, there are no side effects to it, uh, people still want to have research uh, to know that it, it's effective and works, uh, even though we have lots of anecdotal discussions and stories. And so we've been really fortunate and grateful to the, to the professors and doctors at uh, George Mason University in the social work department, uh, Kathy Tompkins and uh, Emily Ahara, uh, who have allowed uh, study of the program, uh, of the curriculum that we created to see if it really has been and is effective. And so they, they took our initial work that we did back in 2020 and assessed our pre- and post-testing and came out with a report to say, this is a really important uh, you know, function and tool uh, for brain health. And so we were excited for that back in 2020. And we were even more excited. Most recently, they've reviewed a hundred of their own, uh, over a hundred uh, of their own participants that they have studied. Uh, participants being actually mostly from the village to village network uh, uh, cohorts uh, all throughout the country. And again, they came back and, and have said, you know, this is statistically significant. Uh, we see an improvement in people's brain health if they follow this 12-week program. Uh, and for people with a mild cognitive impairment, uh, they see tremendous uh, improvement. Uh, just like I saw with my mom uh, within a month, going from repeating, forgetting, and getting lost to none of those things happening. You know, now she's teaching bridge. Now she's learning mahjong. Now she's doing so many other things. So the the study now uh, really backs that up uh, from George Mason University. So we have the blend of a, a real big vision uh, to help more and more people. Uh, and we've got the research and the data uh, coming around it as well. Uh, so we're estimating, it's not our estimate, but I think uh, Alzheimer's Association has put out estimates of about 10 million people who actually have co a mild cognitive impairment in this country. And I'd say, Lori, our, our immediate goal is to, to support at least 100,000 people uh, by the end of 2023 and change that to uh, over a million people uh, maybe the next year or the year after, uh, to at least have this program in their hands, help people start the habit, and see if we can push off uh, the, the decline for that particular group of uh, population in our country. If we can do oh. that, that would be a big win. It would be huge. It would be nice to um, see all the dementia-friendly communities embrace this and, and help promote it. Um, though I know since COVID, a lot of them aren't as active as they used to be. Uh, I know ours in, in Minnesota here in Roseville, you know, they kind of went 
virtual and cut back in terms of presentations and so much of stuff we were doing, you know, just couldn't be done. Um, the libraries might be another sector uh, that you want to tap into. The libraries, uh, many of them have dementia-friendly sections. And so even if you got a flyer that could be put in those dementia-friendly sections, um, I think they would be pretty open to that, especially it being free. And um, that that could be really, really cool. Uh, the other thing for them, and, and I don't know how this would work necessarily, but it might be worth looking into seeing if you if you could do some at cost level where they were laminated so they could be signed out but brought back and reused. And um, they, some of the libraries might even have some money because uh, they've got some budgets for dementia friendly and stuff. Um, but that that's another thought. I know here in Minnesota, we kind of kicked off the first thing called um, a memory kits, and they have kits for Alzheimer's and Lewy body, different stages. They have kits for, for children to learn about it as well uh, that people can sign out. And a lot of them have a... Um, they usually will have a, a book for the care partner. They have an interactive piece for both. Um, and then they have like a music piece as well. I know we've got a, a flyer with uh, kind of a list of different books just to give them an idea. But that's something that, that people might be interested in. And again, the cheapest way would be just to set up a flyer to get out to those those libraries to include, because there's many of them around the country that now have these these sections. And I think people wow. would be really, really interested in that um, yeah, as that's well. A, that's, a, that's a great idea, uh, not one that we have uh, come around or, or thought about. So that's a really good suggestion. I'd say one of the other things that we're seeing happen, uh, and, and I think this could be a really beautiful blessing uh, if, if we can continue it. Uh, I remember back at Aegis on Madison when we first started uh, this type of program, we invited a, a group of high school students uh, to come in and be the facilitators of the program. And they came back for week after week after week after week. Uh, and it was a local school, and they just came in, and they would participate with our residents in, in either reading something out loud or writing you know, a lot of writing, uh, writing history of our residents, those type of things. And it you know, has become a really loving uh, relationship uh, between those residents and those students. And one of the things we've, we've come upon uh, that we didn't know was happening out there is that there is a, a group of over 1,000 college students that are anxious to get in and uh, do this kind of work uh, throughout the country. And they're, they're all volunteers. Uh, folks, probably a lot of them are looking to become uh, doctors in the future, head to medical school, those type of things. But there's a group uh, that was created uh, called Brain Exercise Initiative uh, by a student out of UCLA, a scene, and she is just brilliant. And she's got a thousand students now volunteering over uh, through uh, about 80 different universities and colleges. And what they're doing is they're doing this type of curriculum, uh, reading out loud, uh, doing handwriting, uh, doing simple math, uh, even doing some trivia. And they'll they'll bring their program and their volunteers uh, up to five days a week if uh, if folks want to invite them in. So uh, a resource there because I think one of the challenges uh, we often hear is, you know, who's going to help us be a partner or facilitate the program? Uh, and now we can come around that too with a, a group of young uh, individuals who really care about brain health and want to make a difference in people's lives. Well, you know, there's also um, a group called the Youth Movement Against Alzheimer's, um, typically high school and um, college students as well, many of them with an interest in, in uh, neuroscience. They would be good. Uh, there's another group, um, and I, I love this group, Haley Richmond, who is 15. She has two nonprofits. She's just brilliant. But she has a group called Kid Caregivers. And um, she's doing a, like a younger sector. And they, and she also has Puzzles to Remember, where they bring puzzles in and they do puzzles with them. But they're looking at expanding their offerings. Um, so I can connect you with them. And Lorenzo's House might be interested in that, too. They've are focusing kind of on younger onset and, you know, they really are trying to help the the families in terms of how do you embrace this? And there's a lot of, you know, so often 
I see, I don't know if you see this, but so often I think we try to protect our kids from this and not tell them really what's going on. But in the meantime, when we, when we do that, they feel the shift in priorities. Sometimes they think they've done something wrong. They want to help, but they don't know how. This would be a great way for our family members on an intergenerational basis to be able to participate too and try to remove some of that fear. So I, I'll send you an email with those those contacts um, as well, if you're interested in that. I just, I just think the, the more people we can connect to, you know, the, and, and, you know, lifting each other's work, that's, that's the best possible mode in terms of us making true progression in a, in a collaborative effort. Um, so um, is that, yeah, are those contacts you'd like? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just smiling over here thinking, Lori, you are such a gift to all of us in this field, <laughs> uh, wanting to bring people together, wanting to bring like-minded folks who are looking to, who have had a pain uh, or a sorrow because of this, uh, you know, horrible brain challenges and uh, wanting to do something about it. So thank you for your, your work and effort. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. it's Well, you know, we're we're just much better together. That's the bottom line, you know with all of this, when you were, you know, talking about the the process and the research, you know, it, it is nice to have that backing for sure. But I was thinking of even just, you know, writers saying they find uh, many of them, not all, um, but many of them find that things flow easier and they're more creative and they can get things done faster um, when they put pen to paper versus typing on a computer um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's also some other benefits of physically being able to do something. You know, your body's now getting more involved with this and then being able to see what they've accomplished. Because, uh, you know, when you do it on a computer, it kind of disappears and you don't really know. And a chart might pop up, but you don't really know. You can't always translate, especially with dementia. Well, how much work was that? You know, for, for if you've got the booklet <laughs> there, you know. Um, and you can show that off. And I think it's really nice to have the the booklet because, you know, a lot of older adults, and again, not all, because many of them are very tech savvy, but, you know, a lot of people still like something in their hand. And it's their comfort zone uh, to work with instead of having that, that edge of, am I doing it right? Is it all going to go away? Am I going to screw up the program? Am I going to get a virus? I mean, all those things can come into play. And it's something that, um, kids and friends and um, and even doctors could download for them and give them. You know, that could be part of a packet that's given out upon diagnosis. But one of the things I have found, and I would love to find a way around this, because even like with, with, you know, I've got a ton of free resources, Dementia Map, you know, we've got 150 different categories. We can't, we can't seem to break into the clinics. You can get the doctors on, you can get the clinicians, the nurses, and you can even get the directors on board many times. But then it goes, you know, to get it on their website or in their computer system, IT cuts it off because, you know, what if what if they get hacked? What if they, you know, get a virus? And then there's also that other side of liability. Well, if we give this out, are we going to be liable if somebody decides to sue? And both of those things take it to a screeching halt. And somehow, We've got to get around that, you know, it, even if it's just handing out a flyer, but they don't even want to do that. And, and right. by giving people hope during that diagnosis changes the whole the whole situation. People go out in their cars and they cry for two hours because a lot of them aren't even given the Alzheimer's Association, you know, name right. and phone number. That is asinine. I mean, that that is just absolutely ridiculous that we are not connecting people to things and We've got to figure out a way to to bypass that, to work together, um, and and still respect the liability issue, which, again, you can add a clause on there, and still protect how everyone is protected of their Internet space. I I, I get that. I am, too, you know. Um, but there's got we've got to be able to do better, and, and we've got to be able to work together because nobody – there's nobody out there now or ever in the future that is going to know all of the resources that are out there because they're coming online hot and fast and it's hard to keep up, but it's really hard to find because you don't even know what the heck you're searching for. 
you don't know what's available yeah. and you just get so exhausted. Yeah, you're so you're so right. And, you know, I think that's why, uh, you know, even in this conversation, you know, you've been at this for a number of years uh, and you have such a wealth of knowledge. I, I've learned a lot. I'm taking copious notes over here. So I can imagine if you're just new to all this or you're facing a diagnosis for yourself or a loved one for the first time, it, it can be challenging. And if your doctor is not uh, up to, to understanding what resources are out there because, again, things are changing so quickly and they have to know so many things and this is not necessarily their key focus, yeah, people are going to be at a disadvantage not understanding that they you know, they have more control uh, most likely over uh, their outcomes than maybe they, they realize. Um, so that's a big, a big uh, uh, emphasis for us to reach into different ways. I love your library suggestion. Uh, you know, schools is another way to, to come around it. We certainly are working, trying to work with the senior centers uh, as, a, as a conduit and a path and, and certain uh, government entities and agencies. But, uh, you know, even, even government agencies are limited uh, oftentimes and how much impact they can have uh, on getting this information to people. Oh, exactly. Another uh, couple I'll mention is um, the Memory Cafe directory that my partner on Dementia Map, uh, Dave Wiedrich, has. You know, I, I think he's got like 1,200 memory cafes, you know, around the, well, not just around the country, but around in five different countries. Um, so that might be another route even to submit an article there on what you're doing. Um, and then there's um, Reimagining Dementia. That's a group as well. And and that's professionals all over that are, are building and sharing resources um, right and left. And so I'll, I'll connect you with both of those as well. And um, if you're listening out there and you're interested, reach out. Don't stay quiet. You know, we, we need you to reach out. It takes all of our creativity to make this world a better place. And, you know, we can't do that sitting there in our own little caves. You know, we really, we don't know when we might need it for our own loved ones or friends or ourselves. And we just can't be wasting time anymore. You know, this is, this is a critical concept, and it's a good thing. I would say, you know, what's good for defense is good for, for everyone. And the same goes with this. This is something that all ages and stages could use. Um, so, again, thank you so much for your time today. I, I've, I've learned so much about the Stronger Memory Program, and I really, um, I really do appreciate you um, and all the work that you're doing. And, again, your backers and your donors, um, wonderful, wonderful work. And people can go to um, your website, again, strongermemory.org or .com, or they can always go to uh, your, uh, <clears throat> your Goodwin Living site as well, and there's a tab there that people can access it uh, as well. Any other information that you want to give? Um, we've got, like, two minutes left. I told you the hour would fly. <laughs> it sure has flown, and thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and you're right, GoodwinLiving.org is our, our parent site. Uh, people can get a lot of information about uh, the organization there uh, and certainly download the program directly at that strongermemory.com or .org uh, either way. And uh, and let us know. You know, Give us feedback along the way. We certainly are, are working to get uh, things you know, better and better each time. So that's helpful to receive feedback. I think the last thing uh, I would like to share is just uh, super appreciation for my mom uh, and my dad, uh, the journey that that they've been on, and certainly my mom in particular. Uh, She's such a superhero to me and uh, just willing to try different things. And today, uh, you know, over the last couple weeks, she's been telling me that she's uh, going into communities and now talking about her brain health journey and encouraging others to, to have hope and to uh, take some comfort that there are ways that uh, people can come around things. Not, not everyone. There's no cure uh, for dementia. We know that. But there are seemingly uh, great tools to come around the symptoms of things. And if, uh, if there are listeners out there that want to start this journey, uh, just like my mom, maybe you'll benefit. You know, Starting today, 10 years from now, uh, you'll be able to say that you've been able to meet your grandchildren and be a critical part of their lives and uh, be able to create memories and loving memories with so many people that you wouldn't have been uh, if you didn't have the chance to engage in these simple, simple accessible tools of reading out loud 
handwriting and simple math done quickly. So uh, there's no there's no risk. Uh, we're not there's no reward for our organization other than the reward of people uh, doing better in life. And uh, we hope everyone uh, gives it a chance or, uh, or provides it. Thank you so much. Again, you can go to strongermemory.org or .com. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.